Hi guys, Alexa Curtis here, and you're listening to This Is Life Unfiltered. You guys know that I love having tons of different people on the podcast, whether it's parents, whether it's expert and serial entrepreneurs, whether it's good friends of mine. And this week, I'm really excited because I love talking to parents, not all of the time, because obviously a lot of you guys are quite young and don't necessarily want to hear from different parents, but I also feel like there's a decent amount of you who are parents who tune into this podcast to get advice on your personal lives or your kids. So this week, I actually came across somebody on social media, um, somebody from Concord, Massachusetts. Her name is Therese Razor, and she is based in Concord. She's a social worker and an artist and also a mother of two. And I really liked her Instagram page. You guys should check it out. It's called Healing Crayons. And the reason I really like it is because I just feel like, number one, nowadays, you don't necessarily see a lot of Instagram pages that don't focus on the person, right? We see tons of Instagram pages that are just cool, glamorous pictures and like pictures of the beach. And this is really cool because the Instagram page itself is not a ton of pictures of her, not that she's not like totally beautiful and awesome, but more importantly, the art and the work that she's trying to portray, I feel like she doesn't think that she necessarily needs to use her face to do so. Like there's so many other ways to showcase your thoughts and your feelings. And that doesn't have to be by, by pictures of yourself. So Therese, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, take us back to the beginning. You know, how did you get into healing crayons? And I want to know more about your work in kind of the social activist and also just being a social worker. Sure. So, um, gosh, I started healing crayons in January of 2018. And it was funny because, um, so I've been a stay-at-home mom since, you know, my oldest is actually going to be 14 in a week. So I've been a stay-at-home mom for the past 14 years. And, um, you know, I, I've actually, I'm recovered from an eating disorder and, you know, I had found a notebook that, you know, I'm, I like hoard journals. I love like paper products. And I found a notebook that I had like written down kind of, um, you know, like workouts in almost, um, like CrossFit type workouts. And I thought, gosh, well, I don't want to throw away this notebook because it's really a pretty one, but, um, I don't, I really didn't like doing those kinds of workouts. And I thought, you know what, I just want to collage over it and kind of poke some fun at, I don't know, I guess the things we force ourselves to do because I think the culture tells us, well, this is good for you and this is what you should be doing. And, um, so I, it really just started with this one old journal that I had and, um, yeah, I started making like some, you know, body positive anti-diet protest art and, um, then I started sharing it on Instagram. Like I just made an Instagram site for it. Um, because I feel like so many people, you know, struggle with, um, not only, you know, eating disorders, but certainly like body image issues. And, um, I think everybody, you know, especially younger people too, uh, you know, have become so influenced by like, you know, people in the wellness industry. And, um, I just wanted to offer like a different perspective on that. Well, you're a mom. And I think that it's really interesting that number one, you even know how to use social media because my mom is literally so confused. And I want to talk more about parenting and everything with you, but so many young women, men out there are struggling with eating disorders. And I still feel like 
nowadays the media in a sense still glamorizes like body positivity, not glamorizes it, but I feel like, you know, we're talking about body positivity on social media, all these different things, yet we're not talking about the root of an eating disorder. And I am in no way capacity a licensed therapist or anything, but I also had an eating disorder. So what age did you kind of start struggling with that? Yeah. So I, I mean, I clearly, I started struggling, um, gosh, it was, you know, right before I was going into high school and, you know, I was, you know, 14 years old. Um, so it was 1990 (laughs) to date myself. And that's when it really just took off for me. And what, if you could, I guess, label the eating disorder, what one were you struggling with? Sure. Yeah. I struggled with anorexia nervosa, um, you know, like solidly for one year. And then, you know, the recovery wasn't like this perfect linear, um, recovery, but you know, there were some bumps along the way I had, you know, I struggled again, um, you know, my first two years in college with it. Um, and then, you know, I struggled with some, you know, problematic eating again, um, after my second child was born, um, because my first child was diagnosed, um, on the autism spectrum and it just sort of like rocked my world. Wow. So the age that you had the eating disorder was what age that you started? 14, 14, which is such a young age, but I feel like that age is so, so crucial for young people. So growing up, did you grow up in Concord too? No, I'm actually, um, from the Midwest. I grew up in a suburb of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh, awesome. Okay, cool. So, I mean, cool, I guess, not the eating disorder part, but I mean, growing up there, did you feel like you had the support and resources when it came to this eating disorder and getting help with it? I mean, were your parents able to, to kind of assist you in this or how did you feel like you ended up getting through this period? Yeah. You know, it was really tough because, um, you know, like mental health and especially like adolescent mental health was really not on anybody's radar, you know, in the early nineties in the Midwest. I mean, that was just, you know, it was sort of like, be happy, cheer up, what's wrong, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you know, go see a movie, go buy some ice cream. Like those were sort of, um, you know, the approaches (laughs) I think. And, um, it was really tough. I mean, I had struggled, you know, before the eating disorder really sort of took hold in earnest. I had really struggled with some panic attacks that summer and some depression. Um, and, you know, my, my, I think my parents just really weren't sure what was going on with me. I think they didn't really know, you know, what depression was or anxiety was. Um, but I did when, you know, my weight fell to a place that was, um, you know, dangerously low, like what you would call like, you know, clinically anorexic, which is, you know, less than 85% of your ideal body weight. Um, I did get sent to, um, to see, you know, to do outpatient therapy. So I saw a therapist and, um, an eating disorders dietitian. Well, I think it's interesting that you say that because I had a young adult reach out to me on social media a few days ago. I had posted something about my eating disorder and she specifically asked me what to do. She didn't think she could afford treatment, but she was struggling with always feeling needed, like she needed to exercise. So, I mean, I replied with my personal advice, but what would you tell her? Gosh, um, you know, 
I guess I would tell her to, you know, if she can, you know, if she has access to a computer, certainly look at like the NIDA website, the National Eating Disorders Association. Um, they have some wonderful resources. Also, depending on, you know, where you live, sometimes, you know, at the local level, there are some great organizations. Like I know in, I've been in Massachusetts the last 20 years and there is META, which is the Multi-Service Eating Disorders Association in um, Newton, Massachusetts. And sometimes those places will offer therapy for people, you know, um, they'll have a list of providers and some of them, you know, um, can see people for lower rates, um, you know, sort of like a sliding scale, that sort of thing. Um, you know, also, you know, somebody can talk to their primary care physician about it. When it comes to eating disorders, at what point do you know that you need to get help, that there is somebody else out there who needs to help you? Yeah, I sort of feel like, you know, and I do think this is really true. All eating disorders really begin with a diet. You know, I feel like, um, you know, for the most part, there is that, you know, initial desire to lose some weight. You know, I mean, there are some eating disorders we see in, um, you know, younger kids, sometimes kids on the autism spectrum that are like avoidant restrictive, like they're just sort of scared of getting sick or scared of not being able to digest a food, that sort of thing, where there isn't a focus on weight, but usually there is. And so, um, you know, I just, I don't think diets are good, period. So I think anytime somebody goes on a diet, you do put yourself at risk of developing an eating disorder. Um, you know, but I think if you are somebody who is, you know, constantly, you know, if it's really, um, if, you know, if your diet is, you know, impeding sort of your social life or it's getting in the way of, you know, sort of the joy in your day or, um, you know, your work, anything like that, um, then I would definitely, I think, you know, talk to somebody. I agree with that. And I feel like also when you kind of start to maybe even first of all, just think that you're having these thoughts. I mean, mm -hmm. I think that that's a really good time to also kind of try and get help or advice. But also, right. I, I mean, is there a way to get over an eating disorder without getting help? Like I personally had an eating disorder and feel like I kind of grew out of it a little bit, but I also was going through therapy at the time. But obviously you had, I had an eating disorder called orthorexia, but anorexia mm -hmm. is, I think, isn't that proven to be one of the hardest eating disorders to ever recover, recover from? So congratulations that you have, oh, thank you. You have managed to. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know what? I really, I mean, I am a social worker, so I'm, I'm such a big believer in therapy. I think it can be so incredibly helpful. Um, it also, you know, I think so much of what we see in the media um, you know, about like, what is a healthy weight and how do you, you know, how do you become healthy? Well, you know, I think a therapist will really help you look at, there are so many avenues to health. It's really, it's not just physical health, you know, but it's also like mental health, emotional health, spiritual well-being. you know, um, there are so many different like layers, you know, your social health, that sort of thing, um, that, I think if you don't, if, if you are just sort of, you know, healing yourself, I think it can be um, hard to, you know, go beyond that scope of the physical, because I think that's what we often, you know, think of as health. 
I agree. So as a mom now, let's talk a little bit more about your social work. So you're a mom and you know, what have you seen on social media? Like how old are your kids? So, okay. So my kids are, I, you know, my son is 14 and my daughter is 10. Um, and my kids, it's kind of amazing that they don't have phones yet. (laughs) And, um, you know, they of course complain that they're the only kids that don't have phones, but you know, they will get them soon enough, you know? Um, yeah, I say no, I say no rush. I say the best age is like 12, but a flip phone. Right. Right. You know, so, but they've certainly seen YouTube and they've certainly, um, you know, nobody has like an Instagram account or anything like that. Um, so their exposure has been a little bit low, you know, I think compared to most other, um, you know, teenagers, of course. Um, but I think, you know, when I'm sort of looking around, I mean, I'm really kind of, you know, I hate to bring up the Kardashians because I feel like they do get bashed a lot. Um, but you know, they're some of, you know, they, they've done so many ads for, you know, appetite suppressant lollipops and detox teas and, you know, protein shakes and, you know, just different sort of like diet aids. And I think that is really dangerous. I agree. Um, you know, when you have like these celebrities who, you know, don't have a degree in nutrition, they don't have, you know, a degree in dermatology or, you know, any of, you know, um, you know, any of those sort of things that they're selling. Um, and it's really because they want to make money, you know, there, there really is no sort of, um, proven fact that these things will help you. And in fact, they can be incredibly dangerous and incredibly dangerous to young kids who look up to them fully detrimental. That's how I think of it, especially when it comes to those diet pills and the weight loss pills. I mean, like I said, at the beginning of your pot of this podcast, your social media is so positive. It's so uplifting. And also it doesn't necessarily feature many pictures of you. So you've really created this platform and following that's focusing Mm -hmm. on kind of the key things that you are trying to advise about, but as a mom and also Mm -hmm. a social worker, how do you feel when you go through social media? Yeah. So I definitely take it, you know, you have to take it with a grain of salt. I don't follow people that, um, you know, are sort of health and wellness gurus. I don't follow, you know, people that are specifically about what they look like. Um, you know, I think that that's sort of, um, it's sort of a new age that we're in where we're always looking at pictures of each other. Um, you know, I I mean, it's interesting. Like when I was, when I was a teenager and I was struggling with my eating disorder, like the only times I really saw celebrities or, you know, models, um, it was when I would pick up like a 17 magazine or a glamor magazine. But now it's like, you can see what people are doing all day long, you know, and in the right lighting and in the right clothes. And it, you know, it's just, um, it's sort of everywhere. Um, you know, so, and I, um, you know, I was just thinking like, you know, the reason why I don't really put a lot of pictures of myself in my Instagram is because I think, I mean, primarily I want to be helpful to people who, you know, are struggling or who have struggled with body image issues and eating disorders. And I think there's so, um, there are so many sites that have before and after pictures. And I, I just think that that is so, um, can be really detrimental because you may think like, wow, you know, um, 
you know, I was so underweight and look at how much bigger, quote unquote, I am now. And your bigger might be what somebody looks at as like, wow, I could never be that thin, right? So it's like, you really, I, I really try to be mindful that bodies are really on a spectrum, like body sizes. Um, and that it's so hard. I feel like when we see another body or another person, even if that person isn't really trying to um, make another person feel bad or be harmful, that comparison is so, um, it's so automatic for people, I think. I agree. Actually, somebody, I'm speaking at a children's hospital next week in Boston, and they said to me on the phone today, I said I actually wanted to bring some pictures of, of me when I was struggling with my eating disorder, and they said that they would advise me not to because that can kind of be, um, I, what's the word? Uh, a trigger. So, yeah. so explain that. I mean, how is that that if you have an eating disorder, why can it be detrimental to go on Pinterest or Tumblr and look up Thinspiration or any of that? Right. You know, I think one, there is, um, you know, people, first of all, there's so many different kinds of eating disorders, you know, but people do sort of glamorize anorexia, you know, and I think we think of like Karen Carpenter or, um, you know, again, I'm going to date myself like Tracy Gold, um, you know, and those really the you know, first few celebrities that people really talked about having had eating disorders and, um, you know, we're sort of like, you know, bizarrely interested in like how thin their bodies got, you know, and, you know, and that, that is really one type of anorexia nervosa. And there are so many, you know, somebody may be restricting and eating so incredibly little, but their body may not be responding, right? Their body may, you know, they may be somebody in a larger body, um, like, in fact, what a lot of people, you know, um, sort of prescribe for people who are in fat bodies is essentially anorexic behaviors. So, um, you know, I think we have to be mindful that, like, eating disorders happen to people in all different sizes. And, you know, I think when people go into hospitals for treatment or, you know, go into clinics, I think oftentimes, you know, they do feel like they're not quote unquote sick enough or thin enough to be there and, and be getting treatment. Um, so again, I think it's like that comparison of bodies that can be so hard. I agree. And definitely social media stems that in, in so many ways. So at what yes. age do you think that you will give your, give your kids phones and what will you exactly tell them? Like how will you guide them through social media so they don't struggle with any anxiety or depression because of that? I know. So I think, you know, I, I think it's coming soon. Like, you know, so my daughter's going to be entering sixth grade. She'll be 11 this summer. She'll be entering sixth grade. And um, she's very interested in staying connected and texting with her friends. Um, my As son are most so, kids. Right, right. right. Yeah. So I sort of feel like, ugh, you know, that's going to happen, you know, probably by the fall. Um, and if I give one kid a phone, I probably have to give the next kid a phone, you know, that sort of thing. Um so, you know, I think we'll do that, but, you know, we actually, my husband and I actually talk a lot with our kids about, um, you know, body image and, um, and certainly my, you know, my kids have seen pictures of me, you know, at my childhood home in Wisconsin. And my daughter has said to me, you know, like, why were you so skinny then? And, you know, so I have shared with my kids that I struggled with an eating disorder, um, 
you know, and, and they see my artwork because I just make it at home, you know? <laughs> so like I'm there, you know, um, with my papers and, and different things. And they sort of, you know, look at some of the stuff. I mean, not, not every single piece do I share with them, but, um, you know, we certainly do talk about, um, you know, that all bodies are good bodies. And, um, and I, I think that's an important, you know, I think people, you know, feel like, that's something that you talk to a kid about like when they're older. And I really think it needs to start earlier because, you know, gosh, I mean, I think they're, you know, they've done some studies that like kids as young as third grade feel like they're too fat. And, um, you know, I know certainly my son has, um, you know, watched some Marvel movies and felt like, why, you know, why don't my abs look like that? (laughs) You know, and it's like, well, because Chris Hemsworth is paid a ton of money to work out all the time. And there's a lot of shading and a lot of, you know, um, there's a lot of, you know, makeup artistry and, um, you know, coaches that go into helping him look like Thor. Right. So, um, that's not like a normal everyday body. Um, but I do, I think it's important to sort of like normalize the human body to kids. Also, another thing that you just said that's really important is the fact that you're so open and honest with your kids. I mean, I always have struggled with my mom. She's just, I mean, I love my mom to death. Don't get me wrong. But she just really like a lot of things she just shies away from. She won't tell me. And I always am like, you know, there's certain things I would love to know about your childhood and all these different kinds of things. And I never feel like she ever really will tell me anything. She's like, I'm not your friend. You don't tell me this stuff. And I'm like, no, I feel like there are certain things that you should talk with your kids about. Or maybe I'm wrong. No, I mean, I, I think that's, I think especially mental health stuff is important. I think you want to, you know, I mean, I am by nature sort of a more open person. Um, you know, I, I think I just kind of come by that naturally, but also, um, I think you also want to deliver information to kids at, a, you know, like with appropriate language, right. So that you don't, um, you know, you don't want to cause them to, become anxious about, oh my gosh, am I going to have an eating disorder because I didn't finish dinner tonight? Or, oh my gosh, you know, my mom didn't eat dessert with us. Is she, you know, it's like, you want to sort of, um, I don't know, you know, kind of, you know, share, share bits and pieces of what's appropriate, but also, you know, be honest and, and have a conversation going. Of course. And just being honest, that's the biggest thing. Because, you know, the lack of honesty is what kind of makes you start going around that kind of thing. But if there's any young kids or, you know, young adults listening on this who are struggling with battling with, you know, their parents maybe not accepting them or judging them or feeling like their parents are judging them, what advice do you have for any young people who are dealing with that? With eating disorders per se or just sort of? Just in general, I guess, you know, struggling with their family not accepting them for whatever reason or, you know, kind of being really tough on them. Oh, you know, that it's, um, gosh, um, you know, humans, we are complicated beings, you know, and relationships are really tough. And I think, You know, if you can, sometimes we don't always get the parenting that we want. Um, And so there are times where I feel like you do kind of need to show yourself some extra compassion, right? You sort of need to parent yourself in the way you wish you were parented. Um, I don't know if that's exactly like what you were asking, but, you know, I think, um, you know, being kind to yourself, I think a lot of, especially a lot of like, um, 
feeling like you're not fitting in for whatever reason it is, whether it, whether it's, you know, um, body size or shape or, you know, sexual orientation or struggling with mental illness. Um, you know, it's, I think it's important to remember, like we all have something going on, um, you know, and to just be kind to yourself. I like what you said about kind of the parenting yourself. Cause I've had times where I'm like, oh, I would never. And I mean, every, every, you know, no parent is perfect, but I'm always like, oh, there's times where I would not do that or I wouldn't have said that. Um, but I, I want to talk, you know, a little bit about your artwork as well. So at what point did you start this Instagram page and, and what has the response been? Yeah, so I started it, um, you know, in January of 2018, like around the, yeah, like around the new year. And, um, and I'm really surprised with that. I mean, I really, again, I really just started making collages in a notebook. And then, you know, I sort of felt constrained by the notebook because I had to keep things like a small size. And I started making them bigger and, you know, a little more varied. Um, and it, I mean, it really kind of exploded. Um I mean, I remember getting excited and um, I was like, oh my gosh, this person said that, you know, this resonates with, you know, what they're going through right now. And, you know, they're happy I wrote this. And, um, you know, like today I have like 8,000 people that follow my page, which just sort of blows me away. And, but I think the thing that made me feel um, really good is that, um, so, you know, a, a couple times a year, I will tell my recovery story um, at a psychiatric hospital in the Boston area. Um, and so it's a mix of outpatient, inpatient, and then like a couple community, you know, sort of members will come and listen to the story. And I think I told it in February this year. Um, and when I said, you know, and I just brought in a binder of my artwork and, you know, a guy just jumped up and he said, oh my God, it's healing crayons. You know? and wow. Yeah. And it just touched me. And he just said, you know, um, I was not in the hospital over Thanksgiving and seeing your posts and your artwork and sort of, you know, you're poking fun at you know, like diet culture and the wellness culture that we live in just really helped me a lot. Like each day, I just kind of look forward to like what you would post. And just like, you know, just hearing that from one person. And again, because I'm not, you know, I'm not working in the field right now. Um, it just, it meant so much to me that I could, you know, be supportive to somebody's recovery just through the artwork that I'm making. And that's really like the reason why I do it. Um, you know, is because, gosh, you know, sure, there are body positive accounts. But I mean, if you look at like our mainstream social media and, you know, or our magazines, which are kind of dying, but everybody's really thin. It's always, it's really promoting this like body ideal. And, um, you know, I just really wanted to put some stuff out there that was, that would say like, your body is fine your wrinkles, your cellulite, your fat, like that's all normal. And um, there's, there's things on your page as well. You know, a lot of these pictures are, I, I wouldn't even say that you're poking fun at them because you're doing this in a very 
like collected way, but especially this one post that I love, remember no Kardashian has a degree in nutritional sciences and there's a tea bag next to it. Yes. And I, I associate with that because I know that these kids are looking up to this kind of stuff and I'm like, you know, why are people not realizing that they are not educated health experts? Exactly. Exactly. And they're selling a product. They're, yeah, they're endorsing a product. They get money to do that. Right. And it's, and it's really scary. So how do you come up with all this, this kind of content? And you guys like check her out. The Instagram page is at healing crayons. There are so many different pictures, so many different pictures on here, but how do you come up with them? You know, sometimes, I mean, I, (laughs) I do just think of them, you know, sometimes I will just think, or I'll think about, I mean, it's really stuff that I have sort of gone through in my own life that I've sort of battled in my own life. You know, like I did one that was, of, um, you know, it was a prescription bottle and I wrote all the, something like all the walnuts and salmon in the world won't cure my depression. And, you know, I have been on, um, because I, you know, I struggled with, I mean, there's so much comorbidity between eating disorders and like anxiety and depression. Right. Um, usually anxiety and, eating disorders usually fall under like an anxiety umbrella. Um, so I really had to treat, you know, um, that to sort of, you know, get to the, the eating disorder. So um, I've been on an antidepressant since like 2003. And, um, but of course, you know, like there are people that think, you know, medication is terrible and that, you know, gosh, if you just worked out for an hour every day and you were in the sun and you had enough, you know, sort of omega threes, you'd be great. You wouldn't need, you know, medication. But the truth is that that's not the truth. <laughs> that you know, people who have diagnosed mental illness actually need to take a medication. You know, just like if they had diabetes, they would need to, you know, take insulin. Or if they had asthma, they'd have to use an inhaler. You wouldn't tell them like well, just make sure you don't climb a mountain, you know, like make sure your environment is perfect for you. It's like, that's not sort of realistic. Um, so yeah, so most of my artwork either comes from, you know, things I've heard in my own life, things I've gone through, um, like way, way back, you know, I made, um, a piece of art that said women don't have to be smaller than their husbands which is kind of something I had always believed, like as a kid, you know, that like women can't be larger or way more than their husbands. Like that's not right. Mm, You know, and it's like, no, that's just kind of baloney that we're sort of fed, you know, in our culture. Yeah. Do you think that our culture is heading towards like a better place when it comes to body image and in the media and stuff? Or do you feel like there's many, many things that need to be done to really help everyone feel positive about their own bodies? Well, I think, you know, I, I think, you know, yes, on both fronts, I think there is a big change. I think we're seeing, you know, more, um, sort of, you know, plus size models. We're seeing more, um, you know, more variety in, you know, clothes being offered. Um, but there, you know, we still live in a super, you know, um, fat phobic culture. Right. You know that, I mean, I think a lot of people still believe the worst thing that you can possibly be is fat. Um, you know, so, I mean, if it would be great if we could make 
you know, travel more accessible for people in fat bodies, if we could, you know, sort of make um, healthcare a more positive experience. I mean, this goes way beyond, like, I mean, it's really about oppression. That's really, you know, where the root is. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to social media, do you feel like most of the people that you're seeing are posting more positive kind of stuff or is most of them, is most of the stuff you're seeing not necessarily like on the same wavelength of what you're trying to do and post about? I mean, honestly, I really, um, I really only follow people that are like, I, I, I follow, you know, like one of Paltrow or, you know, again, like health wellness guru type people. Um, like I enjoy following Melissa McCarthy, Tess Holiday, you know, people that have sort of, you know, more, um, you know, varied, um, body types, um, you know, Virgie Tobar is awesome. She's amazing. She's a fat activist and a feminist and she's fantastic. She's great. Um, so yeah, so I think I, I try to, um, veer toward that group rather than, you know, looking around at the other stuff. I also though think that somebody like Gwyneth Paltrow could be really enviable. Like, you know, she's very thin and she obviously has a huge platform because of that. So, I mean, do you think that something like Goop Guide and like her are really good inspirations for young people or not, not too much? No, I would say they're not (laughs) because, you know, I think it's really a super privileged website, right? I mean, I don't know who could afford to eat the way that she eats on a a regular basis, especially if, you know, they had children and, um, you know, I mean, I think it's kind of absurd, you know, to demand people to own a Vitamix blender or, you know, so I guess there's yeah. a, I guess there's a part of then what you're saying that a lot of these people maybe you can aspire to be like or like kind of you know be inspired by but not to take necessarily any of really the stuff that's being posted too seriously. Yeah, I absolutely would not. So the minute that you're having any type of feeling like negativity or whatnot because of social media, what is the first step? Like, what's the first thing that you would say? to to do if you're like oh my gosh I all of a sudden feel so bad because I struggle with this a lot too is feeling Mm -hmm. really bad if somebody you know I feel like I get a little bit jealous of somebody or whatnot and I never Mm -hmm. know necessarily what or who to turn to yeah so I would you know I would unfollow if you need to take a social media break what I think that's really important whether it's for you know a day three days a week a month whatever you need to do and you know, or, or just follow stuff that is pretty, you know, affirmative, right. Or pretty, you know, affirming, um, you know, remember that, you know, what is the saying? You have enough, you do enough, you are enough, that sort of, um, that sort of thing, you know, look at, get off social media and get in your relationships. I mean, I think that is really huge. Um, because we're really on this earth, to sort of, you know, connect and, you know, 
I mean, I, I don't, you know, make a difference. Like, you, you know, you make a difference when you have a conversation with somebody. Um, we're not, you know, just sort of cardboard cutouts going through life, you know, with like different nice backgrounds. And I think that's kind of what we see on Instagram a lot. Um, not that I don't love looking at people's vacation pictures cause I do, <laughs> but, um, I think it's important to remember that, you know, you're a whole person, not just, you know, like a flat image. Yeah, no, agreed. And, and people on social media are also people. So are real yes, people absolutely. in real life. So, so if you're thinking about, you know, writing something to somebody or, or saying something, think about how it really could affect somebody else's feelings, because that is so, so possible to do that. And just because they're, they're posting on social media doesn't mean that they're not humans offline. That's absolutely right. And also too, to remember, like, you know, you, when you're looking at somebody's social media feed, you're looking at their highlight reel, right? Like what if Paltrow is not going to post about, you know, um, the stress zits that she has or, you know, the, you know, the fight that she just had with her kids, right? She's going to post about like Jade rolling her face and how great she feels after that and that sort of thing. So you're going to get the highlight reel. I completely agree. And I love that you say that. So what's the end term? What's the end term? What's the end goal for healing crayons? Like, do you see this as taking off into be a brand that you can monetize? Are you, are you kind of just going with the flow? Like this is really obviously just a passion of yours. Yeah, I think I'm kind of just going with the flow. I mean, honestly, I, you know, I, um, it's a little bit of a space filler. I think, you know, when my kids are older, I'd really like to go back into the field. Um, so right now it's just sort of, um, it's bringing me joy and it's helping other people. So that that's kind of enough for me right now. Yeah, I love that. Do you necessarily think that this kind of Instagram page, especially as a mom, like if there's other moms listening who might be also thinking that perhaps, you know, they could make a page and like make it really successful and and then make money off of it. Is that something that you would advise other moms to do or would you say no? Oh, I mean, I think that's completely like personal choice. And I think that you probably could. Absolutely. You know, um, make money off of it or, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, I have thought about like, gosh, should I put these in a book? Should I? I mean, it's, it's sort of funny though. I don't really, um, I, sometimes I'm not sure who would buy it, you know, <laughs> but, yeah. um, cause it, it's a, it's a real like niche thing. It's not exactly like a coffee table book, but, um, you know, I think my market would be like therapists would like keep it in their office. That would be it, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, of course, of course. So where can everyone find you on social media and find out more about healing crayons? Sure. So, um, so I'm on Instagram and it's at healing crayons, one word. Um, and that, that's the only place I'm at. I am right now. So well, I love I love that you're so honest and real, and I think that you are such a good inspiration for moms and young people out there alike who are struggling with all these different you know different kind of topics and and things on social media and also eating disorders. For those listening who might be struggling with overexercising or body image issues, do you have one last piece of advice for them? Oh my gosh, um, you know, choose life. Really, it's, um, you know, really the tipping point for me was I couldn't both, you know, I sort of couldn't have um, 
and please excuse the pun. I couldn't have my cake and eat it too. Like I couldn't try to control my body and control all my food and my exercise and have an actual life. Um, you know, it just the, you know, just being consumed, um, with having so much control over, you know, all those little facets, I couldn't be in my day. I couldn't go visit a friend for lunch. I couldn't, you know, um, you know, be with my kid. And if they'd say like, here, mom, have a goldfish. I I couldn't have a goldfish. Right. Or I couldn't just sort of play with them because I had to go work out something like that. I mean, it's just, it's not actual life. Um, and so, you know what, I'm happy that, um, you know, I'm in larger pants, but I actually get to go out there and be me and, um, you know, be a real person. So something I realized too, was that the overexercising part of things, if you're so convinced that you're going to gain a pound by, and I understand, you know, so much of this is mental and I deal with this and struggle with it quite often. But if you're so convinced that if you miss a week of exercise or you miss like a day of exercise that you're going to gain 20 pounds, you're going to lose all your muscle. I just think that I've come to the realization that that is so not true. And there's research out there that backs the fact that that's also not true. So it might help those of you who are struggling with any of those kind of um, kind of situations with the over exercising or feeling like you're going to quote unquote get fat if you if you don't exercise that day, then then take a look at some of the research because you won't and you're fine. And exactly what Terry said, it's so right that you said that because it does control you. And the best way to heal from it is to start the process. Uh, I had another question that I thought of too. My last one, uh, you know, if you feel like you have a friend who's struggling with an eating disorder or a friend who is struggling with some type of mental health issue, mm-hmm. what can you as the other friend on the other side do to help this person? Um, you know, I think because people get, you know, feel very defensive, you know, generally um, around mental health issues and certainly around eating disorders as well. I mean, they're no exception. Um, but, you know, I would just express honest concern and you know, if you can very gently name what you see, you know, um, like I see you struggling to just be happy or I see you worrying a lot or I see, um, I would try to keep the, I see you losing weight, you know, out of the picture because that can also be taken as, oh, you know, um, a compliment by that person. Um, but you know, I sort of, I see you changing, um, and, and I miss sort of the old you, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, if you're really, obviously, if that friend is talking about, you know, um, you know, hurting themselves or, you know, um, it's getting much more serious and certainly, you know, do not hesitate to talk to their family. Um, you know, you can certainly talk to your own, you know, provider, your own doctor. Um, or if you're in high school, you can talk to a guidance counselor too about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it's, if it's very dire, you know, um, certainly talk to another adult. And after that, at that point where you've said, you know, I noticed this change or whatnot. And there, mm-hmm. if the response is, oh, thanks, like I feel good or whatever, but you know mm-hmm. that there's something wrong here or that yeah. there's something going on. Is there a further step you can take? Gosh, you know, I think you know, I think you can just say to them like, well, you know, I'm here for you if you need any help or, you know, you could, um, 
you know, if you find some, I don't know, some literature that you really, you know, some like an article or some books, I mean, you know, gosh, there have, there was just an amazing article in the New York times. Um, you know, and it's killing me. <laughs> I wish I remembered like the author. Um, but there are always things, you know, being written, um, you know, by different people on, you know, recovery, right. Or you should, you could share like the Nita website with them or, um, you know, I mean, articles written by, gosh, you know, I'm trying to think of the woman who wrote Shrill. Mm, I don't know what that is. Blanking. That's a great, great book. Um, You know, but it's a lot of people who talk about like being in different bodies and stuff like that and struggling to sort of like, like them, like themselves. Um, But yeah, you can, you know, always share something, you know, like about body positivity with that person and just let them know that you're there. I mean, they, you know, and, and sadly they may not be ready. Um, but the unfortunate thing is that eating disorders do have the highest mortality rate of all mental illnesses. Well, and also quite often just by telling somebody that you're there to help them can make such a big difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Such a big difference. Well, Therese, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your work with Healing Crayons. Like I mentioned, if you guys have not checked out this Instagram page, I highly suggest it. And I actually really enjoy following it and it's cute and it's quirky and so honest. So thank you. Thank you so much for for starting that podcast. Of course. And I hope all of you guys enjoyed this episode. I'll list some resources on my website for this podcast because I do a blog every week along with the podcast about the resources you can check out if you're struggling specifically with an eating disorder. I also have a list of of resources that are both free and some that you can pay for on my website, my other website, that's medianav.org. So if you you head there, you'll find an entire list of free resources in every single city. I think we put together a list of like three in every state and city. So that can also help. And make sure to follow This Is Life Unfiltered on social media at at T-I-L-U podcast for both Twitter and Instagram. And my personal social media, that's at Alexa underscore Curtis. And if you haven't yet checked out the collection of gifts, gifs, I don't even know how to pronounce it, that I released on Instagram. Check those out too, because you can use them for all of your pictures. And I'm not even biased. I just think they're so cute. But besides that, have an awesome rest of your week. And I will talk to you guys so soon. Bye. Mm -hmm.